in the highly educational and inspirational film Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby. The famous race car driver Ricky Bobby ends up saying grace at the dinner table one evening. In this heartwarming scene, the whole family is gathered around, along with Ricky's best friend Cal, who is also a race car driver on his racing team. Everyone has their heads bowed reverently in prayer <laughs> as Ricky starts to address Jesus in these words. Dear Lord, baby Jesus. And Ricky continues to pray to the infant version of Jesus for the remainder of the prayer. Ricky takes the time to thank baby Jesus for the food on the table and for his best friend, Cal. He also thanks baby Jesus that his wife is a, quote, stone-cold fox. <laughs> and he expresses his gratitude to the little Lord Jesus for his two boys, who are appropriately named Walker and Texas Ranger. <laughs> At one point, his wife interrupts the prayer and says, You know, sweetie, Jesus did grow up. But Ricky claims that he likes the Christmas Jesus the best, and that when she says grace, she can pray to the grown-up Jesus, or the teenage Jesus, or the bearded Jesus, or to whatever version of Jesus she wants to pray to. And after explaining himself, Ricky bows his head once more, and he continues the prayer with this. Dear tiny Jesus, with your golden fleece diapers and your tiny little fat balled-up fist. <laughs> but this time, his father-in-law interjects and shouts out, Jesus was a man! He had a beard! But once again, Ricky defends himself, claiming that he likes the Christmas version of Jesus the best, and that he is the one saying grace, thank you very much, right? Well, at this point, Ricky's best friend Cal breaks the tension, and he offers his two cents, his deep words of wisdom. Well, I like to picture Jesus in a tuxedo t-shirt, because it says, like, I want to be formal, but I'm here to party too. I like to party, so I like my Jesus to party. Ricky nods his head in agreement. But before he can finally wrap up the prayer, Cal can't help but spout off another version of Jesus that he likes the best. I like to think of Jesus like with giant eagle's wings, singing lead vocals for Leonard Skinnerd. <laughs> well, Ricky finally closes out the prayer by thanking the eight-pound, six-ounce, newborn infant Jesus, who doesn't even know a word yet, who is so small and so cuddly and yet still so omnipotent. He thanks this little Jesus for all of his success as a race car driver and all of the money he's earned over the past season. Oh yeah, and also, due to a binding endorsement contract that stipulates that he mentioned Powerade at each grace, Bobby gives thanks to baby Jesus that Powerade is one of his sponsors for his racing team, and that Powerade also cools you off on a hot summer's day. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> now, yeah, like, I know that most of us in this room don't make it a habit of praying to an eight-pound, six-ounce baby Jesus. But if I were to take a guess, I would imagine that most of us probably do make it a habit of praying like Ricky Bobby. Clearly for Ricky, he had latched on to that sentimental picture of Jesus that made him feel all warm and fuzzy on the inside at some point of his life, right? He latched on to this image of Jesus who is the infant. And his view of Jesus never evolved.
liturgically speaking, Ricky never made it past Christmas Eve. <laughs> the problem with that is, like, a lot of stuff happens liturgically after Christmas Eve. It's pretty early on in the season, folks. <laughs> but here's the thing. Most of us also stop somewhere along the way. We don't make it all the way through. We latch on to some image somewhere along the way liturgically. Like we take hold of the picture of Jesus that we like the most, and we tend to pray to that Jesus exclusively, whether it's the Christmas Jesus or the baptism Jesus or the transfiguration Jesus or the Jesus who takes a whip to injustice or the wisdom Jesus or the Jesus who dies on a cross, or the Jesus who hangs out with prostitutes and sinners, or the Jesus who rises from the tomb, or the Jesus who sends the Holy Spirit. The problem, of course, is that Jesus is not our idea of Jesus. Jesus will always be bigger than even our best thoughts about him. So when we cling to these narrow images of who Jesus is to us, it's like convincing yourself that you've had a whole slice of delicious pizza when all you've done is eaten one slice of pepperoni off of the top of that pizza. We end up trading out the whole for just one little part of the whole. My friends, a part of the point of Christmas is not to stay in Christmas. <laughs> we have to move on liturgically. We actually have to let the baby in the manger grow up to be the savior who will permeate the entire cosmos with his presence at his ascension. And we also have to move on eucharistically. Most Episcopalians I have found never make it past the part of the service, spiritually at least, that's called the fraction. It's the point in the service where the priest breaks the bread, actually where we all break the bread together. It just happens to be in the priest's hands when it happens. Most people don't seem to understand the extreme significance of this moment. Actually, I think a lot of people don't actually understand that a fraction is happening at all because they're too busy with their <laughs> faces in the bulletins, looking down at the bulletin. But think about this part of the service. We go from consecrating the bread and the wine in the Eucharistic prayer and it becoming the real presence of Jesus to us. We go from that to breaking this real presence of Jesus to us. We go from seeing the presence of Jesus elevated in the priest's hands. We go from that to it disappearing from sight as the bread is broken into little pieces and placed in the paten or the tray that holds the bread on the altar. At the fraction, we are breaking all of the idols of Jesus that we have made for ourselves. We're even breaking <laughs> who Jesus was to us just moments ago. Now think about this. If the fraction never happens, there is no opportunity for you to become one with the Eucharist, to actually receive it. The only way to become one with the bread to receive it is by breaking it. The only way to become one with Christ, to receive Christ, is by breaking whatever images we have made of him.
This is exactly why one of the greatest mystics of all of history once said that even if Jesus were to appear to you in all of his heavenly glory while you're praying, when this vision is over, you should continue to pray, just carry on, as if nothing had happened. Why? Because after this vision has ended, this experience has ended, it is now nothing more to you than just a memory. Memories are great, but your memories of Jesus are not Jesus. Again, your idea of Jesus is not Jesus. Jesus will always be bigger than any memory that we have of him, no matter how great those memories are. So instead of clinging to our images and our ideas about him, we have to let Jesus surprise us with all that he can be for us in this present moment. And for those who have the eyes to see, at the fraction they see that God hasn't just become incarnate in one baby, one person, no. In the silence of the fraction, we suddenly discover that Christ has now become incarnate in us. As we let go of who Christ has been to us in the past, everything that he wants to be to us in this present moment is born in the manger of our hearts. As Meister Eckhart once said several hundred years ago, what good is it to me if Mary gave birth to the Son of God 1,400 years ago, if I do not also give birth to the Son of God in my time, and in my culture. We are always meant to be mothers of God. God is always needing to be born.